Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Monday Distillery. Monday Distillery is a new age beverage company revolutionizing the way we look at having a night out with friends. They make sophisticated, non-alcoholic beverages that are sugar-free and full of social graces. Now you can enjoy a good time, love what you drink and love yourself the next day too. Stay high in spirits, keep a clear mind. Cheers to Monday. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr, and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi, and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the Zoom room, I'm joined once again by my beautiful friend, Lyndall. Hey, Lyndall. Hi. Thanks for having me back. Thanks for coming back. I'm so excited. So you appeared on the podcast, it was episode four in season Mm -hmm. one, Mm -hmm. and your, your episode has been one of the most... Uh, well-received episodes that we've had, one of the highest downloads. And I think a lot of people shared it and and got a lot out of it because you were so open and vulnerable talking about um, your addiction and then going on to AA and things like that. And it was just so awesome. So I thought we'd get you back. Excellent. Well, I'm glad to be back. (laughs) So one thing, um, so if people want the backstory of your story, they can obviously jet over to episode yep. four in season one. Um, but basically in a nutshell, you're, you're, well, actually you tell the story tell, <laughs> just in a nutshell. Yeah, sure. So like in a real nutshell, I started drinking when I was a teenager. The first time I ever got drunk was with you, Danny Carr. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> um, yeah, I drank very heavily all throughout my adult life. And by the end of my drinking, um, I was drinking around the clock. I, um, was completely dependent on alcohol. I drank from the minute I woke up in the morning. I drank all throughout the day at work. I drank to blackout every night. Um, 
I, yeah, and it just, it destroyed me in the end. You know, my, um, I'd lost all my self-confidence, my self-worth. Um, I'd been evicted from my apartment. I was fired from my job. I was drink driving. Yeah, my life was pretty shit at the end. Um, <laughs> that's in a, in a real nutshell, you know, it was fun once upon a time. Like back mm. in the early days, it used to be, you know, going out and partying and drinking a lot used to be a lot of fun, um, but it wasn't in the end. It was pretty torturous, actually. It was it was exhausting having to think about it all the time. Like I was constantly mm. having to think about where I was going to get my next drink and how much I'd had to drink and, you know, what time the liquor store was open or what time it was going to close. Do people know I'm drunk? Like it just, yeah, it was exhausting. I heard somebody once um, say that if you put a, a like an orange peel into a glass of vodka, it, it extracts all the essence out of the peel and that's exactly what alcohol did to me. It extracted everything, mm. you know good out of me so wow yeah that is so true isn't it yeah it's well like you said earlier I think it's it can be fun like obviously the drinking and all that stuff when we do when we're younger of course it's fun we're all having a good time it's it's when it becomes not fun that it's a problem so it's not a problem until it's a problem really and then being able to recognize that and that can take some time too even though i was in a really dark place at the end of my drinking and you know i i was depressed i was i was miserable i didn't want to be here anymore i'd isolated myself from all of my friends you know all of this stuff was going on but i still i, I didn't want to give up drinking cuz i didn't think i'd be able to have fun and mm. isn't that just insane? You know, like I just, it wasn't fun in the end. And it, and it was really exhausting having to keep up and having to keep up with the lies and just, you know, feeling like a shit person all the time because I wasn't showing up to work or I'd let friends down or what, you know, but I didn't want to drink, give up drinking because I didn't think I'd be able to have fun. Like I just, I couldn't, even though it wasn't fun, I couldn't detach myself from that um, association. And, um, you know, and I didn't want to give up drinking because I didn't think I'd be able to go out and socialise without a few drinks, but yet I was isolating. I was drinking at home most of the time. So Yeah. yeah. It's and it's insane. interesting, like, how well, well are you even socialising anyway when you're right. smashed off your face anyhow? But it's I often fine and what I've found with the coaching and what we get, I get trying to get people to recognise, often the reason that they drink, so say that they are drinking for confidence. For confidence, yeah it strips away their confidence in the end. And if you're drinking for relaxation, you're waking up at 2am in the morning with chronic anxiety Anxiety, attacks. There's nothing relaxing about that. They're getting the opposite to what they actually want. And so realizing that and then going, okay. And then starting to see the alcohol for what it really is. Yeah. What I wanted to delve into today is talking about relapsing because I know that you've relapsed a couple of times during your time. I guess some, sometimes if people are trying and it's not working, I always yeah. say there's no, it's not a failure, it's feedback. It's feedback yeah. that that particular approach might not be working or you need to go at it with a different tact. Yeah. You know, there's something not quite right. Sometimes someone might need counselling. Right. They might need to see a therapist. They might need, need to try need, something different for sure. Yeah, so yeah. because not, not every, it's not one size fits all. Talk to me a bit about relapsing and when you last relapsed and what happened there. So yeah, relapse has been part of my story. So basically I've been in recovery for three years, like three years properly. Like, I, you know, there was times prior to that, that I had gone to uh, meetings of, uh, you know, I'd gone to AA meetings and I'd had very short periods of sobriety, but really the last three years I've been 
I would say, in recovery. Mm. And I have relapsed a few times in those three years. Each time I've relapsed, there's been a little bit of, it's been a bit different each time. Um, But each time there's, I feel like there's been a valuable lesson that I've learned from it. For example, um, when I first came into recovery three years ago, if I can be really honest now, looking back, I don't think I actually really wanted to give up drinking. I still just wanted to be able to control my drinking. However, right. my drinking had gotten so far out of control out of control that I didn't know where else to go. And so that's why I turned to AA at that point. I'd tried all the other things before that. I'd tried to moderate my drinking. I'd tried to, you know, have periods of sobriety. I'd tried to change my drinks. I'd tried to go to moderation management meetings. Like I'd tried all sorts of shit and um, it didn't work. And I knew that it was destroying my life and I didn't really know where else to go. So I turned to AA. It's normally the last card in the deck for most people. But, yeah, you know, like I got there and I really honestly – if I'm being honest with myself, I didn't really want to give up drinking at that point. I just wanted, I wanted all the madness to stop and I wanted all of the insanity to go away and I wanted to just be able to drink like a normal person. So what happened was um, I went into the program um, and I started going to a lot of meetings, but there's more work involved than just going to meetings in the AA program. I mean, it's called a 12 step program for a reason. And that's because there's 12 steps of action that need to be done And um, I didn't do any of that and I didn't get a sponsor and I didn't do a lot of the other suggested things. I just thought I was going to be able to do it my way, you know, still running on ego and self-will and just thought I was going to be able to do it my way. So I had five and a half months sober and over those five and a half months, you know, I started to get a little bit of confidence back and I started to feel a bit better about myself because I've had a couple of months off the booze and um, my alcoholic brain and sneaky bitch as you like to call it whatever you call it um started to convince me that well maybe it wasn't really that bad or maybe I'm not really an alcoholic or maybe I don't maybe I'll be okay like you know I've had a couple of months now like I'm I'm sure I'll be able to like I've proven to myself that I can control this drinking so you know it'll be okay and you know my alcoholic brain's very conveniently forgot about how I didn't forget but just the all of those bad times became um you know a bit gray like it was sort of like that Mm. was just you know in the back of the memory somewhere and um in the front of the memory was just that you know the fun that I had drinking and the and you know the social attachment and all that sort of thing So after five and a half months, yeah, I drank again. What really I think actually really shocked me was that there was no sort of easing back into the drinking. Like it wasn't just like I picked up a casual glass of wine and just had a, you know, a nice like glass of wine with dinner or something. It was like literally just bang, straight back into drinking around the clock, straight back into drink driving, straight back into drinking a bottle or a bottle and a half of vodka a day. Like it was just as if I'd never actually stopped drinking. Like I was drinking at the same level Mm. as, or if not more than what I was five and a half months prior to that. So So when you get there to that point, firstly, are you nervous taking that first drink or is it just like you beauty, let's go? And and when you do realise that you're back to where you started, how, like how does that feel how what's the internal dialogue going on so that time at that time I wasn't nervous about picking up a drink because I really had convinced myself over those five months that I'd be okay to pick up a drink like I just thought oh, this will be fine like I've clearly I can handle this and I've got control of it so I'll be fine to have a drink 
when I did drink and it just took over again, like it just completely took over my life again, it did really shock me. And afterwards I was like, oh, fuck, okay, this is not, yeah, (laughs) this is not, okay, I really actually can't drink like a normal person even if I've had a few months off of it. I knew at that point that it was like, okay, fuck, this isn't good. I can't live like this and I'm right back where I was five months ago and, yeah, I need to get back to AA. I kind of struggled a bit around that time because I also lost my stepfather and so I just, it just blew out. Like I, I sort of had a couple of months of a series of relapses so I'd kind of get back on the wagon and I'd go back to AA and then a couple of weeks later I'd be on the booze again and, yeah, so it's sort of like a series of relapses that happened over a couple of months. But it was definitely like that. The lesson that I learned out of that was I can't drink like a normal person anymore, you know. That, yeah. that actually proved to me that it didn't really seem to matter how much time I'd had away from it. It was, yeah, there was no easing back into it. It was just bang, like straight back in, mm. just took over my I, life. I talked to this guy, his name's Brad. I spoke to him down on the beach, Ash and I, usually in the morning. And I'm going to actually get him on the podcast. He's a quite well-known yoga teacher um and he was saying that he went through rehab and AA and all those sort of things like that and it wasn't till he and I talk about this in the challenge and when I'm coaching people about changing that self-belief about yourself and living well he talks a lot about living on purpose as well like Mm -hmm. you know and then getting really comfortable with yourself I mean there's a whole lot of range of things to do but I definitely think that just like with AA or like the program I run or whatever there's steps involved that need to happen in order to to make changes within yourself and change the self-belief about yourself and all the rest of it you just can't sit there white knuckling it thinking no I'm going to change you can but I mean that's not going to be fun for anyone (laughs) you know so there's there is work involved if you want to do it and do it successfully and, and change definitely and so that's I guess the big lesson lesson that I've learned out of the most sorry relapse again four months ago that is the biggest thing that has come out of that relapse is you know like I'd had 18 months um sober prior to or 19 months actually um sober prior to relapsing four months ago and you know I was pretty like um you know I was in the program I was doing the step work you know I had a sponsor I was doing a lot of stuff but but after a while I started I stalled on one of the steps and I didn't go any further. And then after a while, I started to not call my sponsor anymore. I still go into meetings, but yeah, I stopped doing the work and stopped calling my sponsor. And um, it's often said that you relapse well before you actually pick up a drink. And again, if I can look back at it and look honestly, like I knew that I wasn't in a good place. I knew that I was running rough, but I didn't tell anyone. Like I didn't even call my, I didn't call my sponsor because I knew she was going to tell me, well, you're not doing the work, window and you need to do the work so that you're not feeling as rough and I didn't want her to tell me what to do. So I didn't call her. <laughs> just, just so dumb because she's there to help me and that program's there to help me. And But, but you know, my ego got in the way and I wanted to try and do things my way. What it is though, it's really good feedback as well. So a relapse isn't a failure. It is really good feedback to go, okay, what do I need to do? What, what do I need to do more of? What do I need to do less of? Yeah. And it's also great feedback to to know that you have to stay on guard every day. I'm I still do my form of the work, which is yep. for me, it's my gratitude practice, big morning practice. It's listening to something with spiritual input every day or reading something. You know, I'm quite committed to, and so is Ash. Yeah, we're very committed to that. 
and you can feel yourself slip mentally if you don't. Mm, So to me, I might not slip back into wanting to drink alcohol, but I might start to slip into a negative thought pattern Mm -hmm. and start to get lazy, say, or there's different ways it manifests for me and it's different for everybody. But I know that, okay, right, I've got to step things up again. I know when I'm not feeling right in myself and sometimes you don't want to do it. You feel a bit lazy. You're like, oh, fuck, I can't be bothered. Definitely. you know, so I was telling the group the other week, like with my morning meditation, most mornings I don't want to do it. Yeah. But <laughs> I just make myself do it because I have to do it. It makes right. me feel good. So it's putting, it's prioritizing that higher self as yeah. well, the needs of your higher self before anything else, I think is super important. Definitely. A hundred percent. And that is the biggest feedback that it, that I've gotten out of that last relapse is okay you know like afterwards I didn't beat myself up I didn't want to you know dwell on it I didn't want to be feeling shit about it it was just like okay Lyndall you really need to look at what you need to be doing here like you need to use this as a as a learning opportunity and have a look at what mm. you can be doing better and so since then, I've got a new sponsor and I am doing the steps. I am working the steps and um, I'm working through step nine, which is the step that I had been stalling on previously. So I am actually doing the work. But I, what I realized as well is that um, just trying to do the AA program by itself wasn't enough. And I mean, it is enough for me in terms of, you know, it's enough that I feel like I need for my sobriety, but I need to look after myself in other ways. You know, so I've been meditating every morning and I've got the fabulous How I Quit Alcohol Journal now, which I've been um, which I've been writing in and doing a lot more exercise, which is something that I've never really done. But, you know, I've kind of just, for me, it's about looking after mind, body, spirit. If I'm really going to get well and if I'm going to stay well, I need to look after all of me. And, um, and so that's what I've been doing and that's what I've learned out of this most recent relapse. And... Every time I've relapsed, it's either because I'm not doing the work or I'm not calling my sponsor or I haven't been looking after myself. I just, after the last time, it was like, I can't, I don't want to keep doing this. So if I don't want to keep doing this, I need to look at what I need to be doing differently. And it, this was my realisation after the, after the last relapse. But I also started reading a book recently, which I know you're reading as well, the recovery book. In the first couple of chapters, he talks about how your brain, the structure of your brain changes, mm. um, the physiology of your brain changes when you're an addict and how basically you're excuse me your brain just becomes hardwired chasing that um you know the dopamine and chasing the reward from the from the drug and it bypasses all of your good decision making and all that sort of thing but he said um he mentions in there that in recovery he likened it to to or like pretty much to somebody who's had a stroke in that you know, people mm. who've had a stroke, they often have pathways damaged between their brain and other parts of their body and they have to retrain themselves to to find new pathways, to find new ways of being able to, you know, send signals to their body to do things. I really like that because, you know, if I like if I think about it, if I had a stroke, if I was just lying in bed just thinking about getting better and thinking about being able to walk again or talk again or whatever, you know, whatever I wasn't able to do at that point, it's not going to happen if I just keep thinking about it. I've got to do work. Mm-hmm. I've got to do rehab. I've got to do like, you know, physical rehab in order for that to happen. And that's the way I look at it now with my recovery. Like I need to do work. I need to, I need to work on changing the way that my brain thinks. And that comes mm-hmm. with, you know, doing these good daily practices, practicing gratitude and, 
and journaling and meditation and looking after my body and um, changing the language that I use about myself. You know, like you, I know that you talk a lot about your, your musts and your I ams, you know, just changing the language that I use about myself and the, and changing the way I'm changing my old beliefs and changing my, yeah, my opinions of myself and all of that takes work, you know, it mm. just, it's not, you can't it, like for me, I could just putting down the drink is not enough. Like that's not going to keep me sober. I need. I to think do work. with everyone though, like yeah. if you really want to change something, there there's a lot of there's work that's required. And like you're saying, it the there's damage done with right. years and years of alcohol abuse. No matter what the level, really, unless I mean, definitely not if you're just a couple of drink person. But when you've right. been drinking to blackout, um, what's amazing is that you can create new neural pathways. So you can Absolutely. start to train your brain to think differently. You can train your brain to start thinking in a more positive way. Because for years, in our case, decades, we've spent doing that damage, and often the last decade, maybe two, waking up telling ourselves that we're shit, that we're losers, right. you know, that we're fucking hopeless why can't we control ourselves what's wrong with us it's just constantly berating yourself so waking up to a new day now where I have everyone on this on the challenge that you've joined as well which is so great to have you in the challenge but but to wake up every morning and firstly go well done person whoever you you know well done Linda like you did another day (laughs) so firstly you're starting the day with a congratulations and you know you're not berating yourself secondly today is going to be an awesome day yeah you know just starting to think like that first thing in the morning is like whoa it's a real game changer because the thing is the gratitude practice and the i ams and this thinking positive and things like that it's not just a bit of you know woohoo it's actually there's so much science behind it now to say how it does create new neural pathways pathways, and how it does it can bring you out of a low-grade depression it can even lower your your pain like people yep. who experience high level pain that drops yep. there's so there's so much to it and then your your mind starts to scan the world for positives rather than negatives absolutely yeah yeah and it's just training it takes a bit of training they say 21 days of a good solid gratitude practice yeah can you can start changing in just that short amount of time so absolutely it's and it's like your brain's just a like another muscle you know if you think about like like, I don't know, like if I wanted to become a weightlifter, like I'm not going to be able to lift like 100 kilos straight away. You know, I'd have to start out little and do more and keep practising and keep practising and keep practising. And it's the same with, you know, it's the same with practising gratitude and and changing your neural pathways. Like you've got to keep working at it. You've got to, it's like it's a conscious effort to, to mm. work on it and you've got to keep working on it. But it's worth it, you know. Why wouldn't you want to do it? Like, why right. wouldn't you want to feel good day to day? Why wouldn't you want to feel happier? Because it's such a better place to be it's than so waking good. up going, <laughs> yeah, than going, oh, you're shit, you're this, you're that, you drank too much, you flashed your tits to your mother-in-law, whatever you, Absolutely. you know. <laughs> That's just so shitsville. Um, yeah. yeah. I've got, there's a great quote from um, Henry Ford. Failure is the opportunity to start again, only more intelligently. Right. I think that's so great, you know. So you think about if you've had a failure or a slip up or whatever, even though I don't like to use the word failure, I don't like that word, prefer feedback. But um, looking at it and thinking what have you learned and what could you have done differently? And so seeing like what you did, you saw, okay, I need to up my gratitude. I've got up my physical, you know, working out, things like that. And then you start to feel good anyway. So you're getting like you were saying you've lost weight and you're just really great. Yeah. Yeah. 
Absolutely. It's, um, yeah, it's been a, it's actually been a really positive experience. Um, to be honest, and I don't say that, like, I'm not trying, that I'm not promoting people to go out and relapse because it's, it is quite heartbreaking, you know, to have 18 months up and have to go back to counting days again was, yeah, it was tough. Like I didn't, I didn't dwell on it, like I said, but um, Mm -hmm. for me, I think in the long run, it's going to be a really positive experience because I think that, I've, I've learned a lot from it and I've, and I've changed a lot in these last four months for the better. I think I'm, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I think I've set myself up for a better opportunity to stay sober. I think with anything you do in life, like your success is kind of dictated by the amount, by the level of commitment you have to your Absolutely. personal growth yeah. too in every yeah. aspect of life, whether it's sobriety or whether it's your job, how you want to look physically, it's all dictated by how much work you put in you put the work in, you'd be more successful at it. It's just, that's just how Definitely. it is. But I think like something you said earlier at the start of the conversation is like, you have to have that commitment of wanting to let it go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the problem too. Like yeah. really deeply wanting to get rid of it because if there's some part of you that's still attached to alcohol or still thinking it's a reward, yep. you know, or you're seeing it is that you're giving something up, then that's yep. just, a shit show it's too hard to try and change when you're still feeling that attachment to it so like I say it's like looking at it for what it really is and going no you don't make me relaxed you make me fucking anxious or no you don't make me confident you make me so low in self-esteem I can't, can't hardly bear myself the next day and looking at alcohol and sometimes like with people I'll say look like literally look at it and think about it or picture it and think no actually you don't do that for me. This is how you make me feel. And be really honest. And if alcohol's not serving you anymore, then be really honest about it with yourself and really, really realize that, no, this is no good. This yeah. shit is no good. Yeah. And, let it go. and I wish I had have come to that realization earlier. I haven't. And that's okay. Cause that's just been part of my journey, but yeah, I didn't, even though it was destroying my life, I, I still actually didn't really want to give it up, which just it sounds so insane. But I mean, that's the insanity of alcoholism. It just, yeah, it took me a while and, it, and a couple of painful relapses to to realise that. But um, like I said, that's just part of my journey. So that's <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. The other thing is too, some people as well might have very like high level trauma and things like mm. that too, like childhood traumas and things like that, Yeah, which I, I definitely think you need the extra support there or a PTSD survivor, things like that, that you, you really, really need to go and seek some kind of like a psychologist or some kind of therapist right. to help you deal with those things and unpack all that. Because if that's kind of hanging around as well, then, you know, it's just worthy to go and see, even if it's just four sessions with someone just to go and unpack some stuff. Absolutely. And that's a lot like what you said at the start, you know, there's no one kind of like cookie cutter approach to getting sober. Mm. People, you know, everybody's going to have their own things. And sometimes it takes a combination of things. Like I've had um, a couple of stints of um, working with a counsellor, you know, drug and alcohol counsellor, as well as doing AA, um, as well as now I'm doing your (laughs) How I Quit Alcohol Three Months Sober Challenge, you know, like, and I just... For me now, especially in these, you know, since this last relapse, it's just about putting a, putting a lot of wellness into my life and I just, you know, my life is only ever going to be what I make of it. The more, mm. more wellness I put in, the you know, the more 
the more good stuff I put in, the more good stuff I'm going to get out of it. So yeah, it's like, for me, it's a combination of things. And I get a huge amount out of the AA program. Like that's been really incredible and instrumental in me getting sober but you know I get a massive amount out of working with your group and and a lot of the techniques that you use as well and they're they're different but they complement each other and it's helping me a lot so there's often you know people who yeah like you might need to do more than just one thing to try and get sober or to try and stay sober yeah I think sometimes too when you feel resistance to something like you said you got to that level one step in the program mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you 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 kind of deep down felt that resistance to it you didn't quite want to do it that's a surefire sign that that's exactly what you need to do oh absolutely <laughs> <laughs> it's like me with meditation it's like i have to med i have to do it i just have to do it and absolutely. oh my god i go in there kicking and screaming sometimes yeah. particularly years ago on a yoga retreat with lissy um my friend who's been on this podcast amazing yoga therapist and yeah she'll tell you like trying to get me to meditate was like a shit show <laughs> you know I'd, I'd get angry yeah um it's what I needed to do though you know and she said that to me then it's like what the resistance is is usually what you need exactly absolutely what you need to do. and I can I can definitely see that with myself now like a couple of years ago you wouldn't have been able to tell me that like if I you know in that first like five and a half months that I talked about um at the start those first five and a half months of sobriety you couldn't have told me that I you know if I wasn't going to meetings that's what I really needed to do because I didn't want to hear it like I was just like I know how to do this I'm going to do it my way (laughs) you know yeah yeah. but I can see that now I can see that when I'm not doing stuff like stalling on step nine like you know I've had a couple of times of getting up to step nine and then I stall and then I relapse and it's like there's the feedback exactly that's not telling me something I don't know what is but it's like just dig in and do the work Lyndall and you know what it's I can kind of laugh about it now but I just have realized as well that I'm just making recovery way way more difficult than it needs to be (laughs) like totally but you're doing all this stuff and I said to you the other day well how do you feel like you're doing all this extra stuff oh my god I feel amazing yeah you know I just I feel on top of the world right now. I just, I feel great. I feel really positive about moving on with the steps. I've got a good sponsor who I'm, I'm really enjoying working with, but I feel, you know, I'm, I'm educating myself as well by reading, you know, reading things like the recovery book and I'm listening to lots of podcasts and I'm walking. So I'm getting some exercise, you know, like I'm putting a lot of really good stuff into my life and I feel amazing. Mm. And I just want to like, <laughs> I know that you were, you were talking in one of your podcasts a while ago about, um, you know, tapping into like your um, childhood joys and all that sort of thing. And I was reading, I was listening to that episode of the podcast while I was walking on the beach and I wanted to like start running along the beach and like leaping in the air. And <laughs> I do and I, I just do it. To- <laughs> I did it today. Because <laughs> sometimes I'll, I'll be I running guess- on the beach and I just feel so joyful that oh I sometimes God, I'll yeah. just like start like leaping into the air and like people are looking at me I'd feel like I look like a fucking <laughs> yes. lunatic but I don't care anymore I just think yeah. whatever like if I want to do it it feels good I'm gonna I'm gonna do it yeah. that's exactly what I'm gonna do if I want to you know rip all my clothes off and jump in the ocean that's exactly what I'm gonna yeah. do and I do it now I just don't care yeah. um and you just feel so good yeah oh, so good and and definitely like I've been um practicing gratitude for like a couple of years now I make it a daily habit of of 
you know, going through a couple of, I never used to write it down, I do now, but um, but nonetheless, I'd go through it in my head. I'd do, you know, a gratitude list every day. And like you've mentioned so many times in, in your podcast and, and with the group, like the more you practice gratitude, the more you find to be grateful for. Mm, and mm. I wake up some days and I just feel like just so grateful and I don't even know why. I'm just like, yeah. I just feel, I feel very blessed. You know, I feel like I'm one of the lucky ones. You know, addiction mm. is is really addiction is really difficult and um i just feel like i'm i'm one of the lucky ones to to get it you know to be able to get it there's a lot of people that try and get sober and they they don't last yeah i just i feel incredibly blessed and um and you've got big breasts and i do I feel incredibly incredibly breasts. breasts. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Sorry, everyone, uh, for that visual. Um, It's I know it's just devastating. I've been talking with a friend of mine, and she's got a friend who lives over in America, and he um, he ended up in hospital with his like all his bodies just shut. He's young, like he's I think early forties, late thirties, something like that. His whole body's shutting down, and he's there. He's on life support now. You know, chronic alcoholic. Mm. and yeah his body's shutting down and his family I think coming to say goodbye to him it's not looking mm. good for him and I think it, he did get sent home a little while ago but he's he, I don't think he was even drinking but his body just isn't coping it's and done. it's backing yeah. out and yeah I don't think he's going to make it unfortunately and you hear stories like that and it's absolutely devastating it's so devastating it, it really is yeah it really so is unnecessary. it is so unnecessary you know and it's, why, you know, because we were marketed a lie. We've been marketed something, you know, that's the other thing, like I was saying to the group, the other Lindell, like people, we blame ourselves, but we can't blame ourselves. We have been marketed to and lied to and led to believe that we can't function without this thing or we can't celebrate or we can't do anything without it. It's you the know, it's, hoax ever. It is, it's just, it's yeah. disgusting, you know, like we have, and we've got this marketing around us all the time that tells us that if we're going to have a party, then we need to have booze there. Or if we've done a, you know, big day's work, you know, like VB or whatever it is, like for a hard earned thirst, you know, it's like, this is what mm. you deserve at the end of the day for, mm. for working hard. And it's just, it's disgusting. This is what we're, this is what we're cultivating. Like this is, especially with alcohol I think that's what makes it really difficult for a lot of people to consider giving up and I I don't mean to suggest that giving up any other kind of drug is any you know easier or not easier or whatever it's all it's all difficult but alcohol because it's it's legal and it's socially acceptable and it's encouraged it's hey it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith co-star of my upcoming film If only in theaters May 17th do you want to tell people the big news all right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mm. Often very difficult for people to admit that there's a problem like, and, and to want to do anything about it. I know that there's people, even myself, like I thought, well, I know that this drinking isn't healthy. I know that this is going in a bad way, but well, everybody else does it. So what's the problem really? Or, mm. you know, like it just, it was hard I think, for me. why can't? What's wrong with me? Right. Why can't I just, you know, I'll be able to change. I'll be able to be like them. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, bullshit. It doesn't happen. Once you've crossed that line, I think once you've crossed into that other realm with it, it's very hard to bring it back. Yeah. But there's no shame in that. This is what I probably, oh, God, I, don't know, I couldn't even tell you now, like how many emails a day I'm getting from people just saying, mm. I felt so shamed, you know, blah, blah, blah. The podcast helped me not feel so much shame. Yep. And there is no shame in it. Like it's totally fun there's millions of people going through the exact same thing having the Absolutely. same internal chatter yeah. and you know what the shame most of the shame's all in your own head like I know you know with my experience I I was really ashamed I was really ashamed to tell people that I had a drinking problem I just I thought that everyone would think that I was a loser or I was like you know no hoper or I just I didn't have any self-control or yeah, like I was really ashamed about that. I was ashamed to tell my family. I didn't want them to be disappointed in me. It was really incredible and so beautiful when I started telling people. Everyone that cared about me was just so supportive and everyone mm. that cared about me was like, wow, you're you're really brave to do something about this and good on you and I'm really proud of you. And I was actually really shocked at the time because I was like, mm. I, I had worked up in my head that I just thought people would be ashamed of me and wouldn't want to know me anymore, distance themselves from me because I'm just a drunk. But really, like, everyone was just so incredible and so supportive and so proud of me for actually doing something about it. The lies that we tell ourselves, you know, that people are going to think that I'm, a, you know, this or yeah. that or people will be ashamed of me and sorry I cut you off there, but, yeah, no, it's like... Yeah. And, you know, like I can attribute that now. That was just my alcoholic brain convincing me to keep drinking. That's what that was, you know. Yeah, like, absolutely. Um, part of the, the process too, I think we talked about it a few weeks ago and the challenge was creating new labels for yourself. You know, you don't have to live your life um, by old labels that you've created, you know, years ago. And like Scott said when he came in and spoke to everyone, he he was no longer going to toe the line to an agreement he made with himself when he was 20 years old, you know, to be this trash bag rock and roll guy. I think part of this journey too is creating new labels for yourself, a new belief of who you want to be because you don't want to have to live in that past, in the shadow of that who you used to be. So if it used to be, oh, I was the party animal, like say for me, it would be like I had this label that I'm the party girl, I rock up with the expensive wine and, you know, the party started I was probably just a pain in the ass anyway (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure you dragged everyone down (laughs) along with me but here's I am thinking I'm the life that everyone loves me but you know what it's nothing wrong with creating a new label that's like no I'm not you know now I'm someone that's content I'm happy I don't have Mm. to live up to being this person that I don't really actually want to be deep down I don't want to be that person I kind of want to be just me I just want to be me I don't want to have to fake it I don't want to have to drink to pretend to be something that I'm not and I just want to be authentic and you know god it's such a (laughs) absolutely and uh, and for me like I just I wanted I I do as well like I just 
it was a it was a facade a lot of it you know it was trying to keep up with this because I too was the party girl everyone was like you know mm. people used to say it's not a party without Lindell and you know mm. I was the one that was always would you know had the biggest stories to tell at the end of the night and you know did the most ridiculous shit and yeah it was all a facade it was all just covering insecurities about myself mm. I know that a lot of people um talk about or I've certainly heard other people share in the program that they felt like they never really fat in, um, fit in, you know, when mm. they were younger, like when they were teens or whatever, and then they discovered alcohol and that that helped them to fit in. And I don't necessarily remember not fitting in as a teenager. Like I don't remember that feeling, but I certainly know that once I started drinking and because I was such a big drinker, that made me one of the gang, you know, like that was mm. like, and because I was known as the girl was always going to drink all the guys under the table and, you know, mm. party the hardest and be the last one standing and all that, like that just like that made me feel like I was, yeah, I was part of the gang. I was one of the the cool kids and it's actually not cool at all. But, yeah, I'm mm. like definitely happy to drop all of those labels and never see them again. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And it's just it's the thought that creates the labels. Yeah. As soon as you label yourself, you act in accordance to that label. Yeah, yeah. So create a new one. Go, I'm going to elect a new one for myself yeah. to live by. Yeah. And then you start to change the behaviours in accordance Absolutely. to that. Well, it's like that other saying that you're always um, quoting that whatever follows I am will come to find you. So you know, mm. if I keep saying I am the party girl, well, I'm going to stay the party girl. But if I keep, if I start saying I am uh, grateful, happy, <laughs> yeah. contributing human member of society or whatever I'm going to make up for myself, then, yeah, that'll come to find me. How do you find now like going to into a party environment and taking removing that label of the party girl? How do you find it? Because I, I find it very different going to a party now. I'm happy with myself when I come home, yeah. that's for sure. How do, how do you go with it? I'm cool with it now. Like I can definitely, I can definitely go out to a bar and go and watch a band or um, go to like a house party or something and stay and have a really good time. You know, there's a lot of times where I'll, I'll leave early, you know, after the first couple of hours when people start to slur a bit, that's when no one's going to notice if you, if you leave anyway. So that's normally when I bail out. But I mean, we had a, a barbecue at my sister's place the night before, Australia Day and everyone was drinking and they were all wasted and I was having a great time like we were playing some outdoor games and whatever and then my partner at midnight was like can we go home and I was like oh really I don't want to go home I'm having fun. <laughs> Did you feel triggered at the party? Nah nah not at all. Oh that's good yeah yeah. Did you feel like you had to kind of live up to any kind of expectation? Did you feel like you had to try and be more out there because because you weren't drinking? Nah not anymore. Like I think there was, I think early, in the earlier days um, I definitely felt, I felt a bit awkward in those mm. social situations or going to parties. I felt like I sort mm. of didn't really know what to talk to people about. But I feel a lot mm. more comfortable with that now. Like I just, I don't, yeah, I don't feel like I have to still be the life of the party or whatever. I just talk to people and I just carry on doing whatever I want to do and I'm having fun and I'm still like, People are still making sense at midnight <laughs> and then I want to carry on. That's great. But if they're all slurring by 10 o'clock and not making any sense and people are talking all over the top of each other and I'm finding it really boring, then I leave. 
Yeah. It's a bit fucking sad anyway, I think, to be like 44 years old and still be like up on the table. Well, is it sad? I don't know. Is that judgmental? It's probably a bit judgmental. But you know what I mean? Like I know myself early on, I thought I've got to try and live up to that, still be that. Like I don't want people to think that I've changed. So I'd still be there, you know, woo, you know, like party, party, party without without alcohol. I've sort of passed that now. I'm like, I don't give a shit anymore. I guess maybe that's just something you have to go through. But I was thinking probably is a bit gets a bit sad at some point. It's it's okay when you're twenty. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. I, I don't for know. For me, it is very sad. I don't like to judge anybody else for what they do, but for me, I find it really sad for myself. Like, yeah. It's that's mm. and I loved that what Scotty said on that um that meeting a couple of weeks ago. And as you just quoted, you know, like he it was something that I signed up to in my teens as well. And why would I want to keep behaving like that? <laughs> At some yeah. point I've got to grow up. <laughs> I think too, it's sometimes like uh, like diving into the unknown, isn't it? Like if you've done something, you know, we started in our early teens and then go like leaving something, especially an addiction or something like that behind, it's like going into unknown territory. Yeah. You don't know how you're going to be or how you're going to act, especially at first, it takes quite a long time to adjust to being authentic and being yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was I scary think, as shit at first. Yeah. Because yeah. I didn't know myself. I didn't know, I really didn't know anything about myself. And I think even still three years into recovery, I'm still learning a lot about myself. And, um, yeah. yeah, I had no idea. I didn't think I could talk to people in social situations because I would always go out. Like if I ever went out, I'd normally have had at least a couple of drinks before I even left the house. So I didn't even know what to say to people. Mm. <laughs> like, it's a really, it can be quite awkward. It was really awkward at first. Like I said, I'm past that now. I'm like you, I don't care what people think. You know, if people think I'm boring, I don't care, but I'm pretty sure they don't. But I don't, I'm not bothered about, I'm not trying to worry about what other people think. Like I just go and, yeah, go out and socialise and do what I want to do and have a good time. And I think for people feeling that awkwardness, just rocking up to the party and having a drink in your hand as soon as you get there, like straight away, (laughs) don't even hesitate, like go straight off, go and get yourself a soda water or kombucha or whatever that is. And you don't feel so awkward if you've got something in your hand. That can be really, really, really helpful. Definitely. That was something that I learned very early on was um, that I did feel really awkward because it's so weird. Like just even that standing there with a glass or a, you know, a bottle of drink in your hand when you've got nothing in your hands and your kind of hands are by your side and you're feeling awkward anyway, (laughs) like it just makes it all way more awkward. So just even having, yeah, just a kombucha or a soda water or whatever it is in my hand, like I always make sure I've got a drink and it just helps take some of that awkwardness out of it yeah but you learn yeah, the totally. little, little tricks like that to help with social situations sometimes too that that unknown you know that's just fear talking as well totally. and and fear is just a thought too so yeah. like I always say to everyone it's just a thought and the thought can be changed so okay. anytime you've made a decision to do something lean into the fear a bit okay it's all right it is an unknown territory for a while and that's yeah. okay and you'll get through it. And it does get it. Like, it just does. It gets easy, doesn't it? Like, I, you don't think about it after a while. 
It definitely does. And, uh, and with those with social situations, it's always a really good, you and I have talked about this a bit, it's always a really good idea to have a plan, like to actually just, you know, visualise mm. it and think about, okay, what am I going to do when I get there? I'm going to have a drink, like I'm going to have my kombuchas or my sodas or whatever. Um, mm. Have a plan of when you're going to leave. If you end up staying longer, that's fine. But you're, I think you're putting yourself into dangerous territory if you don't really sort of visualise it and have a plan set out because it's very easy to get to, like if you get to a party or you get to a bar and somebody said, like in your plan as well, I'd always recommend to know what your answer is going to be if somebody offers you a drink yeah. because it's very easy to get into that social situation. Somebody says, especially if they maybe don't know that you're not drinking and somebody says, oh, hey, do you want a drink? And you go, oh, yeah, all right. Like, you know, sometimes it's just a bit of a reaction and, yeah, it's a good idea to think about that beforehand, think about what your response is going to be and think about what your plan is and when you're going to leave and all that sort of thing. So there is, you know, there's a bit of commitment in there too, like even things like making a plan, like some people might think, oh, I couldn't be bothered with that. But it's really, if you really are committed and you really want to get through this and do it as easily as possible, things like a plan helps. So one of the women in the challenge, that was awesome, that document, she wrote up a document for she was going out to a yeah. dinner. Did you? Yeah. I don't know if you read her document, but it was three pages. It was, I was so impressed. I was like, wow. Yeah. She really has been listening to the stuff she I'm telling you. <laughs> and that was but, incredible. Um, but, you know, like, oh, sorry, go on. I just loved how it was down to the minute almost. Like, yeah. she knew what time she's even down to what she was going to wear, you know, yeah. everything about yeah. responses, like what she would do if she felt triggered, that she could get up and go to the toilet. She'd had this person that she'd call if she felt too triggered or her yeah. excuse. It was all there, like a three-page document. Now, not everyone has to go and do a three-page no. document. <laughs> but hats off to her. I was just so hats impressed. Off to her. It was amazing. She wrote her own script for the night. and She did. She wrote her own script yeah. for the night. And you can write your own script for your life Yeah, as absolutely. well, right? Like this is the the more you put pen to paper, yeah. And it just becomes clear in your mind. Definitely. And as soon as you've got the clarity, you can make better decisions. Definitely. So even if I'm going to work meeting now or anything, even Ash was having a meeting today, I just said to him straight, you know, get it down on paper, everything yeah. you want to say. So just so you're so clear in your mind. So Definitely. part of that, your journey or your sobriety, how you're going to get out of things or your little map of how you're going to get through is super important. So Definitely. And I would say to, you know, like anybody who sort of says, oh, God, that seems like a bit um, a bit too much to think about a plan to go out. Like my response to that would be, well, what did you do when you would go out drinking? Like normally you you well, often you would have to have a plan. You'd have to think about if you were going to drive there, where are you going to leave your car? How are you going to get home? If you've got Mm. kids, you have to plan to get, you know, a babysitter or what time do you like? You have to plan stuff to go out and drink. So it's just you have to plan stuff to go out and not drink if you if you mm. you know in that case like it's no different it's no bigger effort as really it's just yeah. thinking about making sure you got your plan on absolutely yeah. do you feel that the more committed you are the more you're going to do that sort of stuff yeah so I think it there's being honest and knowing thyself too yes. like if you oh fuck I didn't do it or oh, fuck I caved in I wonder what the level of commitment is yeah maybe all the attachment maybe that's still there or something's still there so then it goes again back to that seeing what the resistance is seeing what's the internal chatter what's your mind telling you yeah it's just a lot of self-inquiry as well that Absolutely. needs to happen yeah mm. so you are doing so well I love you being in the group because it's just like 
you just you have such great input for everyone too and because your journey's been a lot longer than some of them and obviously (laughs) you're planning on a lot longer than three months you're not planning on drinking ever again but it's just great to have that and it's you're you're amazing part of it so I'm going to run another one in July yep but it's pretty it's been great and like we're got to jump off now because now we've got to have our virtual we have a virtual cup of tea with everyone on Wednesday night which is really fun too just for everyone to connect again but it's a great connection yeah it's amazing like I just um I think I said even before the first time I was on this podcast if me talking about my experience gives hope to just one person or or helps one person just at least you know rethink their relationship with alcohol then that's worth it as far as I'm concerned and um yeah I love being part of the group you've got such a great group of girls they're all doing really well and oh sorry and Danny my guy (laughs) 29 women and one man yeah (laughs) he's very brave he is very brave yeah I mean it's great it's great to be a part of it but this is keeping me sober too you know I'm learning a lot from everyone in the group I'm learning a lot from you some of the really simple practices that I'm putting in place that that you, you know, teach in your program are really helping me too. So I might have more time in recovery than those guys, but this is helping keep me sober too. So Mm. it's worth it for me. And like I was saying before, you know, the the more good stuff I can be putting into my life, the more good stuff I'm going to get out of it. So Yeah, absolutely. And we in turn learn a lot having you there because of all your experience as well, which is really great. It's another perspective. Yeah to bring in and I just think the more we can all share our knowledge too the more everyone gets together and um, you know everyone in this sort of this sort of self-help sector as well and anything to do with alcohol yeah a lot of that shame and the you know like and people like you, you know there's people sharing in the group that oh god I've had this situation come up today and I didn't didn't realize that this was going to happen and that that somebody else goes oh wow yeah that happened to me too and it just Mm. helps you to realize that this is all just normal stuff like this is normal stuff that we go through I know for for me that's been one of the great benefits of being in the program is going to meetings and just sharing stories with other alcoholics because it helped me to realize that I'm not alone because I'm a typical alcoholic and full of, or was at the time when I came into the program full of ego. Like I just thought that my problem was unique. I didn't think, mm-hmm. like I knew that people probably drank more than me, but I just thought my problem was completely unique and I wasn't, there was probably no help for me. And then I got into the program and it's like, oh, wow, everybody in this room is exactly the same as me. <laughs> this <Yeah>. is awesome. <laughs> And it's often the way to, I remember when everyone introduced themselves at the start of the challenge in that first Zoom call and quite a few people said, God, I could see a little bit of me in every single one of those people because there's always something that you can relate. And it's interesting in the challenge that there's some people that were full on daily drinkers and some people, one person just has a couple of light beers a night and just, but you know, if it's become a problem or you can't shake it or you have that dependency, If you want to change it, you go ahead and you change. You make a decision. Like I say, it's just a thought away. It's a thought away and then a bit of work. (laughs) It is a thought away. And I heard a good quote um, in a meeting recently, and I know we've got to wrap up, so I'll just finish on this. Another member said when he was sharing, I realised that I can't think my way out of this, and that just Mm. has stuck with me. I can't think my way out of addiction. I have to do work. And that, that really, like I replay that in my head a lot now, and anytime I'm feeling a bit like, 
oh, I don't know if I can be bothered meditating this morning or I don't know if I can be bothered going for a walk or I don't know if I can be bothered going to a meeting. I stop myself and I say that I can't think my way out of this. Yeah. I cannot think my way out of addiction. I tried to do that for years. Like I tried to do what I thought was best for me and it didn't work. So it never I've, does. I've got You've to, got to do take the, action, don't you? Yeah, exactly. I've got to do the action. Thought followed yeah. by some serious action. I had a, a message from someone that had been sort of resisting AA a little bit and she mm-hmm. finally went to a, a meeting last night and she said, God, you know, it was actually really beautiful. And I thought, well, that's fantastic. Yeah, like, it's amazing. So you you mentioned, you talked about this right at the start. There is a lot of stigma around AA and I think it, <clears throat> excuse me, I know that I was certainly really ignorant. I didn't know anything about the program, only really what I'd seen in the movies and that doesn't is not really a... a an accurate reflection of what the program is about I didn't really know anything about the program and I just thought oh, it's where alcoholics go when they you know when they've just they've got nowhere else to go like that's with the mm-hmm. no hopers and I just I had this idea that um you know everyone in the program would be I was so judgmental at the time you know like mm-hmm. I just thought oh, there'll be all these older men like cloak wearing park, park bench dwelling you know, guys that drink out of a brown bag, like that's uh, that's how judgmental I was. But that I didn't know anything about it and I was shocked when I walked into my first meeting and there was girls even younger than me and there was people of all ages. And, Any hot you know, people? Yeah, there was a really cute guy sitting right in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> Before I met my current partner, so if he ever listens to this. <laughs> But, yeah, it's actually a really beautiful, a really incredibly beautiful spiritual program. It's like mm. I only went to AA because I didn't know what else to do about my drinking, but it's the program has given me so much more than just putting down the drink. Like <clears throat> there's, um, there is work involved, but it's all about letting go of a lot of your resentments and your fears and making amends with people for all the shit that you've done in the past and really like just, you know, becoming a better person. Yeah, becoming a better person. It's beautiful. It's a really beautiful spiritual mm. program. And it's uh, like I think I said before, you know, I'm just, I'm really blessed to have found the program and to be a part of it because it's been incredible for me. I was saying to you a while ago, God, it sounds like um, it just should be something that everyone should do. Oh my God, I wish everyone would do it. <laughs> we would all become better humans. Totally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. All, the, all of this stuff, all this, the self-work and the work that you do on yourself, is, there's, you never regret it. Like I say, with, like oh. with alcohol, you never regret not drinking. You never regret waking up doing a gratitude practice. You never regret oh. going for a walk. You never regret telling exactly. yourself some positive affirmations. You know, exactly. you know, you don't regret that stuff. You don't regret trying to build yourself up and, you know, start, telling yourself that you love you and that you're an amazing incredible creation exactly exactly but if you don't do any of that if you do the opposite of all of that you do regret it you know if you don't go Mm. for a walk and you just you know spend an hour on the sofa instead Mm. eating junk and yeah you (laughs) you feel like Mm. shit it's like yeah you don't regret any of this you know and likewise I don't regret any of my past either though Mm. Um, yeah me either you all brought me to this point I think so too it's like I'm so glad for everything because I would not be doing this right now exactly you know absolutely there's no there's no time for regrets but it's it no time for regrets but it is good to rip off old labels and create new ones definitely and go okay I'm leaving those 
those memories and those labels that you're in the past now, now I'm going to make new ones for myself. It's very, very powerful and jump into the unknown. Like we are saying, the unknown can be scary, but that's just fear and fear is just a thought. So just change it and go, I'm going to make this decision for myself and better myself in any way I can. Absolutely. Absolutely. Make the decision, get a good support network around you, do the work. Mm. You won't Mm. regret it. Yeah, change your right. life, and you'll, I think when you're you'll ready, you want to leap along the beach like Danny and I. <laughs> <laughs> totally go, whackers. Um, Wayne Dyer always says, "When the student's ready, the teacher will appear." Absolutely. So when you're ready, yeah. you'll find someone, the right person to help you. You'll find the guidance Definitely. that you need. And if you are feeling like you can't find it, then reach out to us or, you know, we can get you in the right direction as well. If you're not ready, you won't take the help. You won't listen to it. Exactly. I didn't listen to it for the longest time. You know, like I said, even when my life was turning to shit, I still didn't want to know about it. I still didn't want to admit that I, uh, I couldn't, like, I didn't want to put down the alcohol. I didn't, I couldn't think about a life without it which is just crazy but yeah it's you gotta you gotta really want it and unfortunately unfortunately that's why people end up in rehabs or or you know getting to a point of desperation or in AA or whatever after some kind of rock bottom like unfortunately people just keep convincing themselves oh no I can do it or it'll be fine or it's not that big a problem or you know, not listening to the to people that want to help them and they end up in a rock bottom and then they get desperate to do something about it. And unfortunately, you know, that can often be, you know, really tragic circumstances. And it doesn't have to be that way though. For anyone who's listening who's questioning their their relationship with alcohol, like just don't you don't have to let it get to that point. Like, mm. you know, you can do something about it now and you're gonna thank yourself for it later. Even just giving it a try, like even if you don't want to, if you're really questioning it, not feeling good, you can just take three months off or six months off and right. see how it feels. And then if you go back, okay, whatever, but you'll know what it felt like to do it, especially exactly. if you do some self-inquiry and work on yourself a bit, you'll know how good that felt. And Definitely. then, you know, you've got something to compare it then to, like, why not? Absolutely. There's um, one of the guys who's in my um, a regular meeting that I go to and he's been sober for 30-something years and he always says um, at the end of his shares, you know, when he's because he's really just so passionate about being sober and about AA and he's like, just give this program a try, just give it a try and if you want to go back to drinking, then we promise we'll refund your misery. <laughs> it's like, you know. Your misery will be there, there, ready and waiting for you whenever you want to go back to it. But, yeah, oh, you're not going to regret it in the meantime. Yeah. So just thinking now about yourself and and I know you can't say you, you'll never relapse again or anything like that, but how, like, your sobriety now, does it feel even sweeter to you now? Absolutely it does, yeah. it's um, It feels like uh, there's just been a massive shift in, yeah. since that last relapse four months ago and it's definitely been a really positive um, shift there's a lot more that I'm putting into my life but I, I don't feel like I'm forcing any of it like I don't feel like it, it's not like I'm kind of like oh god well I'm gonna have to do this because I'm gonna and I'm gonna have to do that because if I don't then I'm not gonna stay sober like I don't feel like that it's all just coming even the exercise which I've never you know me like I've never <laughs> 
being a person who exercises and I'm loving walking and I'm just loving like starting to show because yeah I have lost a couple of kilos and it's like but I'm loving meditating and I'm loving doing all of this good stuff because I just really 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 want to be well and stay well it does feel sweeter to me now it feels a lot more precious to me now I definitely know as well that I have to like I have to be on guard and I have to stay vigilant and I have to keep doing the work and I have to just you know like I can't let my guard down because yeah I love this once I thought I was I thought I was okay Mm. I thought oh it's not really you know like I don't know if I consciously thought that, but yeah, probably thought, oh, it's fine. I've been doing the steps and I've been doing this and I've been doing that. So I'm okay, but I really wasn't. And um, like you said, you know, you notice when you're not doing your work that you start to, yeah, some of those negative thoughts start to come back in. And um, yeah, you just, I've got to stay vigilant. And You've got to stay vigilant. Um, Tony Robbins says, and I love this, that you've, you've got to stand guard at the door of your mind. Yep. I just think that is just yeah, such a powerful yeah. image yeah. too. Like I always almost imagine like security guards standing there at the yeah. door of your mind going, no, uh uh Yeah, 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 <laughs> you're out. Yeah, And you have to, like you yeah. have to. And it's not just for um, getting rid of alcohol. It's just for your general well-being. Definitely. I would say too, you're treating, treat your mind like a bit of a, like a child like yep. a baby too sometimes like you've got to encourage it well done well done yeah. you know well done Danny yeah. well um, done. <laughs> but really well done and I'm because I'm into neuro-linguistic programming I'm really into if you do something good or if you want to change a habit like really raise up your vibration really yeah. raise up your, your celebration within yourself and bring the feelings right up so if you make a good choice for yourself internally i'm not talking that externally but really internally like like yes 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 well done well done have a real celebrate on the inside and then when you think about alcohol too like be super repulsed by it and just be like no yuck you're revolting you make me feel like shit and then every time you make the good choice again yes well done yeah and that's part of that rewiring process as well treating your mind like a bit of a child like really being disciplined with it yep you know, you got to have boundaries. No, I'm not going it. down that that yeah. train of thought there. I'm not going to start tripping out on what that person said about me, you know, because that's whatever that person says or thinks about me is none of my fucking business. Right. You know, there's a lot. There's in that four, the book, The Four Agreements. Have you read that? No, I haven't. Oh, God, no, you got to read that. I read it on a podcast the other Freaking day. amazing. But, yeah, so just being very vigilant with your mind where you let it go because it will go you, you want to control your mind. You don't want it controlling you, but that right. subconscious can really go into some crazy ass places. Definitely. And we're hardwired towards negative, negative, yeah. you know, news and, and things going on around us. Like we just, we think negative, like as human beings, we just tend to think negatively, which is, which is really sad, but yeah, you gotta, you gotta train it. Like you've got to train your brain where to go and you've got to teach it and encourage it and, um, it definitely takes a big shift in your mindset to want to be sober and to want to want to have this in your life. Absolutely. Well, we are hardwired too, like for evolutionary thing, that we are hardwired to be on the lookout for the saber-toothed tiger. Sure. So mm-hmm. we are naturally inclined to think like that. So yeah. it's a matter of changing that because we're not we're not quite cave dwellers anymore and there's not saber-toothed tigers <laughs> right. running around, you know, like, no, we're – 
got lovely beds and lovely homes yeah. and, you know, <laughs> most of us anyway. We live a pretty good life. So to sit there thinking there's saber-toothed tiger or thinking there's one out there, it's, it's, yeah. it's, yeah, it's not healthy. Yeah. Standing guard at the door of your mind, I think. Thank yeah. you, big fat Latoni. That's a great, yeah. it's That's a great, great point. Yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap this up because we've better jump cool. onto our virtual cup of tea in a minute. You'll be sick of me. Yeah, no, no, never. It's good. <laughs> You're very, you've been a very beautiful, positive influence in my life, Dan. And I think I said this last time, but I'll say it again. What you're doing with this podcast and the and the program and the challenge, it's just amazing. This is going to be life-changing for people. And, yeah, I'm stoked to be a guest on your podcast again and um, stoked to be a part of your challenge. And, yeah, just I love help, helping people to live a better life. Thank you. And thanks for your humility and your just, just look at us. Who would have thought, hey? I know. Look at this little mutual admiration society going on here. (laughs) (laughs) All right, darling. Amazing. Thank you. See you you in 10 minutes. Yes. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Thanks again. See you, darling. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. warbyparker.com covered.